Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander. And as always, I am joined by my two handsome debonair co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Morandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. gentlemen. And we are also joined by super fan and anime super fan John West. That's his claim to fame. He is uh, with us. Say hello, John. Yo. Hello, John. You totally missed Hello, the joke, John. but that's fine. Um, <laughs> they always do. They always do. <laughs> and this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. I will say at the onset of this episode, if you notice that Dave is talking weird, it's because he's hearing his own voice in his head through a delay in a random ecosystem that we got going on. I mean, it's it's not it's not really any different than any other podcast. <laughs> yeah, I sound weird anyway. Yeah. So they no, you sound <laughs> you hear your own voice in your head all the time anyway. Oh so. yeah, yeah. So that's the constantly uh, talking to myself. That's the reason for the weirdness, if you uh, notice any. But if this is your first time listening to this podcast, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. Before we get into today's episode, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping from the last episode that we did for Witness, where Mike made the salacious claim that Harrison Ford (laughs) is a terrible kisser. (laughs) <laughs> and he came up with actual journalistic evidence that it is in fact true that Harrison Ford <laughs> is a terrible kisser. <laughs> Helen Mirren uh, wrote an article for what? What did you write it for, Mike? The Huffington Post or something? I don't, I don't remember where it was. I don't remember the. I just remember that she had is on record as saying like, "Oh my God, the poor thing. I love him. He's great, but he cannot kiss." So there you go, guys. You heard yeah. your first breaking yeah. news on the Review Podcast. That my, and look, 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 Mr. Ford, Mr. Ford, you're a great guy. I love you dearly. I want to be like you. And he wants but, to kiss you. Know, you. We're, we're not perfect. We're not all perfect. No, I, I definitely want to kiss him. <laughs> Mike just wants to drink lemonade like Harrison Ford. That's what he yeah, wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and hang out with him. Maybe go maybe go hunt some animals or something. I don't know. what men Things that men do. I don't even know what they do. Fly uh, planes. And kiss. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so just to uh, move things along, on today's episode, the review is going to be of Ghost in the Shell. What's a simulated experience again? All your memories about your wife and daughter are false. They're like a dream. Someone's taken advantage of you. They were trying to make you ghost hack into some government officials. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that can't be. I had a picture of her. She was there. The truth is, you've never had a wife or kid. Like he said, they aren't real. They're a simulated experience, a fantasy. Are we talking about the Puppet Master, the infamous mystery hacker? We don't know a lot either. No clue about age, sex, or background. All we know for certain is this person is on the international most wanted list for crimes including stock manipulation, illegal information gathering, political engineering, several acts of terrorism, the nickname Puppet Master comes from the ghost hacking. So Ghost in the Shell, uh, known in Japan as Mobile Armored Riot Police, colon Ghost in the Shell, is a 1995 <laughs> science fiction anime film. It's based on a manga of the same name. Uh, the manga is written by, uh, you're going to have to tell me, John, it's Masamune Shiro? Uh, Masamune Shiro. And um, do you know who the movie is directed by Mamoru Mamoru Oshi? Yes. All right. So that's right. Okay. Mamoru Oshii. Um, and uh, its film came out in 1995. It's one of the most famous anime films of all time. Um, and it's a movie that I believe that we're all viewing for the first time, except for John, who is anime super fan, John West. 
That's how he's now known. That's his lower third in all yeah, publications. Yeah, I, I, I saw it in 1995. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Um, and the movie itself is about a variety of things. Um, it follows the hunt for a mysterious hacker known as the Puppet Master, who um, is ghost hacking into cybernetic organisms, right? Yeah. Well, yep. in, in the in the universe of the show, um, people are basically augmented. And so they have cybernetic bodies, and they still have their original brains, and people can hack through the interface and basically implant memories and things in your head. So there you go. That was actually a pretty good, succinct synopsis of the movie. Actually, what, why don't we just have John just summarize the whole movie? <laughs> yeah. John, what that, the way he just basically did, actually. So I'm just move on to, like, historical context. Okay. Goes in the Shell is 1995. Yes. Why is it so important, so forth? Well, so it's really the first movie that I think people started taking seriously. Um... Honestly, before that, a lot of the stuff that they were bringing over, um, like, for instance, this week I went back and I, and I watched Ninja Scroll, which is also a, a big, famous um, anime. And that's just really the, the advertising campaign for it was, like, definitely not for kids. And, it you know, it, it was really sort of aimed at essentially 15-year-olds to be like, ooh, look at this cartoon. It's so, you know, risque and everything. Um, but I think it was really the first anime that people started taking seriously. And it, I think it led to a lot more mainstreaming of anime. But at the time, in 1995, basically anything that you enjoyed in the early 2000s on uh, Adult Swim or uh, Toonami was on the air in Japan at the time. So Tenchi Universe, um, Gundam Wing, a show called Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is a really big deal. Um, um, another one, uh, uh, Vision of Escaflone. Um, Ladies, he's not single, so don't try to <laughs> pick him up. Uh, <laughs> calm yourselves, calm down. I know that you probably have the vapors right now, hearing a man talk like this. But um, so that's kind of a good premise in the fact that this is kind of like a renaissance of anime, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so Mike, real quickly, mm. what did you mm. think about Ghost in the Shell? All right, I, I need to start out by saying I'm I'm no stranger to anime. Um, but believe it or not, guys, believe it or not, I've actually seen uh, a fair number of anime in my day. And John's rattling off some of those names like Evangelion and uh, Gundam Wing, and yeah, Dragon Ball Z. Even uh, I, I am that ashamed was to admit. also on at the um, time, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, I, I'm I'm I was definitely a big fan of anime. I don't think I was as big a fan as a lot of other guys my age who were into that kind of stuff. But there's a lot I haven't seen. Um, but I'm familiar with it. I mean, like Dragon Ball Z, when I was in high school, that was like my thing. Like that, that made life make sense to me, like for some reason. I don't know. But um, that being said, I don't know if it's I, – I, I think it's just the distance since I haven't really watched a whole lot um, in my adult life. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. But like I, I just – Ghost in the Shell did not – didn't do it for me. And I, I think I could just boil it down to like one thing. Um, and it's like the voice acting. I think everything else is, is pretty good. But the voice acting was so distracting that it, it kept taking me out of the scenes. It kept, like, I, I couldn't get invested in any of the characters. I, sometimes I didn't even know what the heck was going on because they, they they all talk so fast and they just don't pause between the other sentences. And when you wonder, like, if there's just, there's no, it's just all one run-on sentence. And it was just, like, so distracting for me. And I don't know, John, maybe you can kind of, like, talk about this. There are, I think that's kind of like a hallmark of a lot of anime. I think they all kind of have that same... yeah. Early, I don't um, know why. Is, well, is it because they're trying to cram in a lot of words into, like, the... 
you know what like they have it's already animated so they're trying to put the right words into so what they do when or, they're um translating it is they actually try to match the mouth flaps and also the oof. japanese animators um they record the dialogue after they make the movie rather than before like they do in the u.s so what? they're matching mouth flaps that. that are just mouth flaps so often the translations can be a little wonky and the performances can be a little wonky. Um, and honestly, it wasn't really until the late, late, late 90s that the dubs started getting good. Well, that's an interesting question because you could have potentially watched this movie, Mike, uh, with the subtitles on, right? And just do it in its native Japanese, right? right? And actually, I feel like that would have been a better experience for me because at that point, at least you're... I feel like it's a, a little bit more of a genuine performance and you're getting... At least, like the native, the native emotion that's supposed to be there, because it was it was the, the pausing, like, and especially when you have, um, you know, like the the long, just soliloquies of discussing like what is life and what is you know what does it mean to be alive and be aware and all that stuff. Like, you need to give people time to let that sink in and think about it, and there was just no time to do that, and it, it just it didn't even feel re- it felt like somebody who was like, oh, I want to write something really cool about this and I was going to cram all these words in there and words that no one would actually use in that situation like you know aside from the character like it just was I don't know I, I don't want to rip it apart because I, I but I, I imagine John likes it so John can kind of come at from the other angle but um, that aside I think the world is really cool and really interesting and I, I think the I, I actually liked a lot of the slow shots of just the environment and of you know just the world and seeing you know these landscapes and cityscapes and all the people i think they do a good job like i feel like it's a movie that is trying really hard and i think it's very close but it's just that one thing for me just because so much of the movie is such a heady movie and such a you know philosophical movie that if you don't have that spine there of the dialogue it it kind of falls apart at least it did for me i don't know if you guys felt the same way or not well dave you're a movie aficionado who knows nothing about anime so i'm very curious to hear your thoughts in watching this movie it's um what do you think I'm very curious to hear my thoughts, which I can hear after I speak. So <laughs> this this should the be a little challenging. Well, you can take off your headphones while you're talking. Oh, well, let me try that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's better. <laughs> Look at no, that. I can't hear Mike, but that's okay. I don't have to hear Mike. Um, you don't need to hear me. Yeah, I'm pretty much on Dave the same smells. page as Mike, honestly. What? it's Yeah, well, yeah, joking. for once. I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't stand not to hear Mike. Mike? Hi, Dave. Hi. <laughs> this is so sad. I'm here. I'm with you Bye. in spirit. Um, <laughs> well, Dave, turn down your volume on your computer a little bit. Okay, hold on. That might help a little bit. All right, let's try this. Um, so, I don't know. I didn't love it. I'll just say that. I mean, it's I, 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 it's a movie I can admire, but not really uh, love, I guess. Um, like, I, I could see the inf- how this movie influenced a lot of people. Uh Anime has never been my thing, although I do I do like uh, Miyazaki's movies, you know, Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle and all the, you know, the, the ones that most people would know if you're a, a film fan. Um, and Ghost in the Shell is something I've heard of years ago, but for whatever reason, it's something that I just never, I never, uh, I was never interested in. I, I don't know why, because I love action movies and I love animation, but there's something for me that's a little distancing about anime, like just the style of animation. And uh, so that, on top of like the heady philosophical themes that that it's you know that I that I'm interested in that I, that I like hearing about, um, just didn't jive for me. And I guess the bottom line is I, I, I really agree with Mike on on the voice acting. Like I've seen movies where the dubbing is is pretty good, 
and like and you can and like it doesn't sound like it's a table read. The, the, this, I, I watched. I don't know which version you guys watched. I, I watched the 25th anniversary edition, which I was a little confused by until I realized that 1989 was when the manga came out. So I guess the 25th anniversary is referring to that, not the fact that it was 20 years ago. 1996 was, which is when this movie was released. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I, I'm just guessing. Uh, is John that... is currently gesturing to the uh, the manga, which he is holding right now. So, right. Yeah. Okay. So it's 1989, 25th anniversary release. I thought. I, 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 it was painful some of the dialogue to listen to like it, and so maybe we would have watched the Jap- the subtitled version and listened to the japanese voices and what and you know i would have seen the dialogue and i would have said okay it's it's still a little stilted and silly but at least it doesn't sound like it's coming out of um, you know like a like a bad table read or like an audiobook version so i mean that that didn't help, you know, for me. I mean, I was I was entranced by the visuals, and I was you know interested in saying, oh, I, I can see how this in, you know I could see how this influenced the Matrix, and I can see how this influenced science fiction for the next 15, 20 years. Yeah, um, and that's, that's great. But yep. you know, I, I didn't watch this movie twenty years ago. I watched it now after having seen the Matrix a billion times, and after having you know, so it, there wasn't enough there to grab me. In addition to the fact, in, in, in addition to it being you know influential. Uh, there was nothing there for me to get emotionally latched onto that you know, which is something that I find important for me at least. So intellectually, I, I was a little bit engaged, but uh, overall, I mean, you know, it's 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 it's. I mean, tell me the dialogue isn't silly. I mean, no, you, know, no. you know, like when you, when you when you hear that that I uh, forget the uh, his, uh, so the main character's um, Matoko uh, Matoko right Matoko Kusanagi Matoko okay and you have her partner right Batu and he's there's, there's a line where Batu. he says something like so stop with the angst like who says that <laughs> like even in Japanese I mean what, what the actual I don't know it was ridiculous I thought I thought the dialogue was ridiculous for most of the stuff but the you know the actual story beats were were interesting so but again I've I've seen those story beats before uh, in in movies that this movie has had influence. Well, I mean, I looked at the voice acting kind of like um, when you would play a video game that was on a Nintendo system that would have been ported from Japan. Like, you just kind of learn to accept that it doesn't work, really. Uh, well, your base are belong to us. Yeah, your base are belong to us. This is basically how <laughs> I would cast off the problem with the translation as you're talking about. And I also think that um, if you hear anything in a foreign language, you're more likely to not think it's like, cheesy or bad acting because you don't have the ear for whether or not acting right. is bad in a foreign language. Right, yeah. You can you can hear more of the emotion behind something, but as far as the inflection, you don't know it. Exactly. Um, so in watching this for the first time, I have to say, I think the good outweighs the bad for me. I agree with you that some of the dialogue is ridiculous, and it gets more ridiculous as it goes on because it starts getting into its heavier themes. So when it tries to elucidate those themes, some of the way it goes about it is a bit ham-fisted. But I think the world's really interesting. I think that it's fascinating as a cinematic relic because, as Dave mentioned, the Wachowskis straight up ripped this movie off. Like, straight up. No, like, yeah. no. Not straight up. It's They ripped off a lot of wow. genres and combined There's together. a lot of themes, the style, yeah. I think. But I, I, different storyline, obviously. But there's a lot there that, like, yeah, you can see. I mean, even just the you know the, the, the graphical elements of the, the scrolling text is, like, yeah, plugging just, into I mean, the back on, of the neck. The shot of the watermelons exploding. There's just a lot yeah. of things that they yeah. were clearly influenced by. And, you know, you can make that argument, um, you know, all great artists steal, right? Like, this mm-hmm. idea that you see things that you like. and then I you, don't. Uh, well, that's because you're not a great artist. <laughs> and I'm Mike. a great artist. But anyway, 
but uh, you couldn't make that argument, I guess. But I, I did find it kind of fascinating how, how much this movie inspires it, especially because The Matrix comes out, what, four years later? Is that right? Yeah. Three, three years later. Three or four years. Yeah, okay. So obviously, I mean, the Wachowskis were very much in the zeitgeist and big fans of anime and, and the world of this movie. Um, here's what I'll say. The things that impressed me the most about this film is I think the action sequences are legitimately good action sequences. Um, I think that a lot of the, uh, like the sequence where like they're fighting on the water, it's like that where she's like cornering that dude and she's like using her active camouflage in the first half of the movie. I think that was really cool and well done. Um, so yeah. it's impressive to me that I was kind of caught up into the action of an animated film, which I don't think often happens, especially in uh, either 2D or 2D or older anim- animated movies. I mean, now with the CG and stuff, you get these elaborate sequences. So I was impressed by that. And I think the ideas behind it are very interesting. I will say that I agree that it's not a subtle movie and towards the end it gets less and less subtle as it starts you know, touching upon these themes. But John, being the expert and having seen as much anime as you, uh, as you have, is this movie particularly like, how would you say it holds up in terms of um, the genre. Yeah, in genre. Like, how exactly? So, as an anime fan who's seen a bunch of stuff, um, yeah, I this does actually hold up for me. Um, uh, like, the the other weird thing is that they're still making Ghost in the Shell spinoffs to this day. There was a recent series, and in about 2002, there was a big series that had 52 episodes and a movie and... Um, Interestingly enough, they used the same uh, voice actors when they dubbed it here. Um, but generally, yeah, it's it holds up pretty well. Um, and the, the animation looks crisp. And there's an interesting thing where they started using computers. And that's right when they started doing it in Japan. Uh, you know, they, I think in 93 or 92, they had used uh, computers in um, Aladdin. Um, but they were generally starting to use it in Japan now and and when you watch something with giant robots uh, nowadays uh, generally the giant robots are computer animated and cell shaded Um, and I think that kind of started back in 95 with this so um, it looks good um, and uh, I think it was traditionally animated rather than the digital animation that they do now where they color it in a computer they actually you know hand colored it and everything like that I mean, strictly, Dave, being the professional animator that you are, um, how do you think the movie holds up on an aesthetic level? Uh, like, ignoring the fact that people talked weird. Uh, like, how do you think the movie looks, and uh, do you think that aspect of the film holds up, or does it still feel really dated to you? No, it doesn't feel any more dated than um, any other anime film that I've seen, except, you know, it's been a while since I've seen a Miyazaki movie, but I always remember those movies, um, you know, capturing me uh, on a visual and emotional level in a different way, I guess, you know, like Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke, I'm, I'm, you know, those movies, you know, really hooked me. I mean, this movie, I'll be honest, I had to watch, I watched it twice and it, it wasn't because I, I didn't understand what was going on. It was because I wanted to see if I, I was missing some emotional connection to it. So, uh, you know, it, it just wasn't there. But visually, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious. I mean, th- like this movie is, is great art. I mean, it's, it's impossible to look at this movie and think, wow, it's not... Uh, visually striking. I mean, and um, you know, like just the like the the idea that uh, this is when the internet the internet was first you know becoming a, a worldwide uh, phenomenon, and the idea that you could you know 
that you could plug yourself into a, a network of, of consciousness or whatever. Uh, that's an interesting concept, and you know, it's it's you know presented in an in- interesting visual way with all the cables and everything. It's uh, very consistent, and it you know it reminded me a little of Blade Runner, some of the city scenes, and um, yeah, for sure. No, I've never seen Akira, so this movie kind of makes me want to see Akira just to see mm-hmm. how how that holds up. Whether no, not so good. <laughs> um, I actually, I'm not a fan of Akira, and it, uh, one of the reasons I'm not a fan of the Akira is actually because of the dub. Mm. Um, the original dub, um, the we main probably character, stay away from it then. Kaneda, um, actually was voiced by the same voice actor who voices Leonardo the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Oh. So that's literally all I can think of when I watch the movie <laughs> is that's Leonardo. I didn't really watch that's that Leonardo, cartoon Leonardo. either. So. Yeah, um, the dub of Ghost in the Shell is kind of hearkening back to the day when it was just these um, small production companies doing it as opposed to large studios, which Mm -hmm. is what you get with the Miyazaki movies. Right. Um, So the dub kind of doesn't hold up because now the small production companies are actually um, full of really good voice actors. Mm. Um, as opposed to, you know, back in the 90s, nothing really had good voice actors. Yeah, I mean, it literally sounded like they just said, maybe they asked the animators to just do temp voiceovers or something. (laughs) And just, you just read the dialogue and we'll we'll get someone else to replace it later. Um, You know, and, you know, maybe this this doesn't sound so good, but it's it's all right. We'll just just use it. Not the quality of the the actual sound recording, but, yeah, you know, like literally what they were saying (laughs) didn't sound so good. Um, And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you agree with me I, I, that uh, the visuals I, I want to jump are, in real quick and Wait, hold on. I mean, Mike is trying to say something. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Dave's off off headset. Okay, Dave's, yeah. Dave's off headset. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I want I want to jump on and kind of talk about what David just said because I, I agree. I think it, I think the animation is done well. Um, I would say it's it's pretty obvious that it was on at the forefront of 3D animation because anytime they use the computer graphics stuff, you can tell and it looked gross and it looked terrible, but. The traditional hand-drawn stuff is is phenomenal. I think you have a lot of really complex scenes with a lot of... I mean, I mean the scene I'm thinking of that stands out is when um, she's trying to break into the tank. I don't even know what the heck her name is anymore. <laughs> what was Mato- it again? Matoko Kusanaki. Okay, yes, her. So when she's, uh, <laughs> when she's breaking into the top of the tank uh, or that big uh, robot mech and basically just like, like rips her arms off because she's trying so hard to open it up, I mean... That is animated so well. There's so much going on. There's so many levels of like, there's the skin, there's like the, the robotic musculature, there's the wires underneath it. Like the dynamics of that and the way that's animated is done very well. And there's a lot of other shots very similar to that. I mean, early on when there's the, <laughs> the one guy gets a bullet to the head and his whole like body explodes, which inexplicably <laughs> explodes, yeah. But that's also like, they, they, the animation, the traditional hand-drawn stuff is very good. Um, this movie has I think suitcase guns, guys. Suitcase guns. Suitcase guns. They're great. And wh- who else did that? Was that in The Matrix? Because I've seen that before somewhere. I don't know, but I thought it was super cool when it happened. When they like detached. Yeah, I did the too. Gun. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, the old suitcase gun trick. Like I've, I had seen I feel it. Like it would have been in uh, Robert Rodriguez movie or something. <laughs> that was a guitar case, but you know, yeah. same diff. Oh uh, yeah, probably. But the, I mean, about this movie, one is we haven't discussed a lot of animated movies on this podcast, so I wanted to talk about it for that reason. But also, there was a huge controversy this year because they're remaking Ghost in the Shell with a live-action Hollywood remake, um, and it stars um, Scarlett Johansson, and everyone's really pissed off because this is a movie that clearly takes place... I don't know if it actually states that it takes place in Japan, but it's clearly a Japanese-influenced place. It takes place in a fictional Japanese city, but... In the movie, they used Hong Kong. 
Okay, there you go. So, but everyone's pissed off that Scarlett Johansson is probably the whitest person ever, and she's being cast as Kusanagi uh, in this remake. And I'm curious whether or not. Well, I'm not. Obviously, it's hard to say because the movie hasn't come out yet, so you don't know what they're going to do. But can you make Ghost in the Shell? Does Ghost in the Shell still work? if the Japanese-ness of it is removed. And I think the reason a lot of it worked for me when I was watching it this time is I'm like, oh, this is just a convention of anime. Like, that's just mm-hmm. how things are. Like, so I'm curious whether or not you think the story would translate well into... And, and the, be- the best example I can give is um, Old Boy, the remake by mm-hmm. Spike Lee, which is... Old Boy is a great Korean film, but you yeah. try to make that into an American movie and it just doesn't work because tonally it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I'm curious whether or not you think that's going to be the same fate of the remake of Ghost in the Shell. Well, for me, I think this movie is ripe for a uh, remake because um, I, I just wasn't, uh, at least for me, I wasn't you know, connecting to the movie. So I, you know, I feel like you could take this story and you, you could update this uh, you know. I don't know how he would make it uh, feel modern, but um, I'm sure there, there's something they're trying to add to it. And who knows what it's going to be? It's probably going to be some social media bullshit. Um, but I think, you know, there's definitely no reason to have Scarlett Johansson uh, star in the lead role. I mean, there's, well, so, you know, um, it, it, it's fine to make a big budget Dave, remake of this. Mike's trying to say something. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is terrible. This is so bad. Mike, no, stop interrupting so, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, well, because we talked, I think it was last week, Ivan, you mentioned something about, I think it was, was it Matt Damon or something, where there was a movie that, a Japanese movie that would be oh, like the a great, great Chinese wall, Chinese movie. Oh, yeah, The Wall, right. Yeah. Okay, right. So, I mean, do you think, is it, is it the similar, a similar situation with this movie where they they feel like it's going to do better if there's white actors over Asian actors? Like, I don't, what do you think is the... Well, Matt Damon is big in China. Well, yeah, no, I mean... Uh, I guess Scarlett the, Johansson must be, too. The people, the reason people in get in uh, such an uproar over the Great Wall, the movie, the Chinese movie starring Matt Damon, uh, which is hilarious, uh, the reason people are upset about that is like, oh, it's really racist, you shouldn't cast a white guy in that movie, but people don't understand how the movie industry works, and um, I'm sure that the producers would love to cast Asian people. Uh, the problem is that they that movie is funded like... 80% by a Chinese production company. Yeah, and didn't China ask for Matt Damon? And China specifically asked for Matt Damon. <laughs> so they're not going to put up their $50 million unless their famous white movie star appears in it. So this isn't a Hollywood right. problem. It's an international box office problem. And but this it, is not the same situation here. This is different, isn't it? Like I don't know. I don't know. I think this is Hollywood adapting it. So it's all Hollywood. Yeah, this might be the this might be a Hollywood thinking that we know what's best for us yeah. when we probably don't. Right. And I would make an argument that a movie like Ghost in the Shell isn't going to be sold on the fact that Scarlett Johansson is in it. Um, right. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, she is a movie star. She's probably one of the top ten female movie stars in the world right now. But I can't imagine that if they cast like I'm trying to think of a high profile uh, Japanese actress. And it's sad that I can't think of one. Is Jamie Chung Japanese? Nope. Well, <laughs> I mean, there aren't uh, a lot of popular from, Japanese actresses um, that you can. That you the girl can from Kill Bill. No, no, no. no the Rico Kikuchi. Pacific Rim. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Rinko Kikuchi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, I mean, if you cast her in this movie, I don't think that affects your box office because I think people show up to Ghost in the Shell because it's a cool sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think they show up because there happens to be a name in it. Uh, but Dave, do you I agree don't know. With that? I would disagree. I think that you are going to get a, probably an extra. 30, 40 million dollars in the box office just from Scarlett Chan Johansson. Scarlett Chan? Do you is that her Japanese name? <laughs> this is what you get when I can't. Do you think we're still. I Maybe mean, she's just going to change her name. Wait, Mike, what did you say? 
we talked about this on other podcasts. Like we're, we're not really in the age where people go see movies because of the actors. Like we talked about Will Smith used to have that, right? But we're not really seeing that as much anymore, are we? Where people will go to a movie simply because so and so is in the movie. I don't know if Scarlett um, Johansson commands. I mean, I, maybe that's me. I, don't I think it's a case by case basis. I think that the Magnificent Seven that's coming out later this year is going to make a lot of money because it has Denzel Washington who can sell a movie because he's mm-hmm. Denzel Washington, and it happens to have Chris Pine. But is, is, is not, Scarlett sorry, Johansson Chris Pratt? Chris yeah. Pratt. Yeah, and Chris Pratt. Okay, it, the I would better say that about Chris. Chris Pratt. Yeah, but I, I don't know if I'd say that about Scarlett Johansson. Maybe I don't know. We'll have to see when the movie comes out and what it ends up doing. I mean, there was that movie Lucy that came out, right? I do, I'm and, just curious uh, to kind see. Kind of sold out with her. I'm curious to see if Ghost in the Shell comes out, is it going to be in a world where there's Japanese text in all the buildings? And is it going to feel like it belongs in a Jap... Like, is it going to feel like it is a, a, a you know, a cybernetic Tokyo or is it going to feel like it takes place in New York City? In and that's words, the question. do you need that shot of the city with all the Japanese text? Yes. On the, yeah. And is that, is that in, I, I guess my like, larger yes, point is... Yeah. Yeah, is that in, is in, uh, inclusive of what makes Ghost in the Shell Ghost in the Shell? And you say yes, Mike? I, I think so. I think the setting, I think that's important. I think if they go through and they just make it a generic cyber world, I don't know, it takes something out of it for me. Um, I think, I, I think it, it... Go ahead, sorry. No, I think the setting is important. Um, but, I mean, I guess the argument I could make for the opposite side is that, you know, if she's an android, does she really have a race? Yes. Oh, no, she, so, so hang on. No, she. I'm sorry. I misspoke. She was a human being at one point, and she yeah. became cybernetic. She wasn't... Okay, right. So then, yes, the answer to that question is yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, supposedly her cybernetic body looks like what she's supposed to look like. Okay, right. so let's talk about her, and I think this is important. And, it's, you know, it's been about 30 minutes, and we haven't discussed tits yet. And I think it's important that we talk about this for, <laughs> um, for scientific Wouldn't purposes. would be a podcast without tits discussion. Well, I think it's very important to this movie, and I know that sounds really salacious and... Uh, well, it's like um, half the screen time, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and the movie opens with a prolonged montage with the creation of her cybernetic body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the movie has a lot of um, boobage. And I guess my question is... Um, I don't want to explain Scarlett Johansson, I guess. Right? That's what I cast <laughs> Well, I mean, Kusanagi is clearly unconcerned with her sexuality. She's asexual. And, and the reason she's not afraid of being naked is because it doesn't mean anything to her. Um, right. As a... Or at least that's what I took from... The, mm-hmm. the story yeah. but we as viewers uh, you know as we're all white dudes we as men i don't think we i don't i think it's impossible to not look at the movie from a somewhat sexual framework i mean it's it's right or is, I would, am i crazy i wouldn't say sexual because she's not there's no real there's no sex in it but it, there's nudity right and there's a certain amount of sexuality and nudity um i think there's so a fetish fetishization of everything okay yeah, yeah right but, but what's interesting about it is that like it's i i feel like it's done I think it's easy to say it's done so that 15-year-old boys will buy the movie and watch it in their basements by themselves, right? But I, I think I can make the opposite argument that there is actually a point to it because it, with a movie that deals so much about what is what is humanity, what is being human, what is being robotic, um, to show uh, a human being completely nude is a very human thing in a way. Um, but at the same time, she is almost so robotic about everything that it's, it's a contrast between you're seeing a human figure with someone who's almost not really that human behind it. And I think what's interesting is, Ivan, you just said she's kind of asexual, right? She doesn't care about being naked because it's like, well, whatever. It doesn't mean anything to her. But Batu, 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 seems like Batu. Batu, thank you. Right, the eyes, yeah. It's it's clear that he has, I, I think that there's some kind of an attraction there for her, right? But he is frequently covering her up. He's always giving her a coat to cover her up. 
so I feel like he's kind of like us. He's seeing her in the sense of like the full context of like you're you're a nude woman. Like I'm, I'm I want to kind of cover you up and try to protect you because he's also very much a, he's trying to protect her throughout the entire movie as well. Um, so I think it's an interesting concept where you have one character that doesn't care and even knowing that she doesn't care still does it anyway because I think he knows what the rest of the world sees and I think he sees her as something maybe he sees her as vulnerable whatever but um, it's an interesting contrast between the two characters and what you know how they view the same thing very very true Um, I think that's a good point and I think that is a good way of phrasing it in the sense that I think the nudity does have purpose Um, uh, you saw this in 95 John so you were a Man with burgeoning hormones at the time. Um, I, uh, how was that? Ex- I watched this. I did not watch this in the theater. I watched it um, <laughs> at on home, tape in his basement. at home, at home in a dark uh, room, not, not in my basement. Um, in the same room with my mother. So that was <laughs> oh. awesome um, and super cringy to watch this opening scene. Um, you know, hoping that you know my mom wasn't just going to get up and be like, no, no, no. Um, but um, yeah, at the time. I just I didn't see it as super sexual even I like I, I remember being like okay yay um, but uh, <laughs> I didn't you know I was a little bit more embarrassed because um, you know my parents were there than really being like yeah I well I think that it is interesting that she never like like as Mike said there is nothing that she does with her sexuality that's sexy right like it's all yeah, it's like she, it's, I was expecting her to seduce somebody at some so point. was I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she never does. And at the end, especially when she's like Mike, that scene that you referenced earlier with her when she's like destroying the uh, arachnid mech, like she roids out and it becomes like this disgusting, like muscular, right. like yeah. thing. And it's it's not it's it's I think it's supposed to show I, I, that the entire movie is trying to convince you that she's human, and the ending is a realization that she is in fact this cybernetic organism and Mm -hmm. there's nothing about that. It's like the siren revealing himself to Ulysses or something like that. Like the Mm -hmm. beautiful mermaid that is actually like something that is more grotesque or or so forth. So I think it does work. Dave, what are your thoughts on the boobs? Uh, Well, they're there. (laughs) There are definitely boobs. Uh, It seems like uh, vaginas have been replaced by some other kind of, I guess, plastic texture. Um, so, you know, there's there's definitely not a lot of sexuality to it. But what there is uh, it reminded me of Trinity in The Matrix because her character is definitely, uh, in a lot of ways, asexual. Uh, and uh, well, Except for the know, fact that she has sex with Neo in the second movie, but all right. Well, <laughs> I'm talking about just The Matrix, which yeah. is the only one that matters to me. Right, before and, she meets um, Neo, she is very much You know, even way. Keanu Reeves' character, it's almost like they're both... You know, they they're both asexual in, in a lot of ways. It, like the sex doesn't matter. They fall in love at the end, yes. But um, you know, I, this is this is a character that that uh, Matuko is a character that doesn't end up having to seduce anybody or fall in love or you know. I guess it. I, I'm assuming um, you know she's never experienced love in her life. I mean, she's a cybernetic. Uh, you know, she's a, she's an android. So. The movie's not really about that. The movie's not really about human relations. It's about our relation to technology, I guess. Um, well, I think in some way it, so, it is. I don't know. Yeah, it had, it had breasts. It is. But Mike's trying to talk again. Sorry. Yeah, it, Go ahead, Mike. Good. It's it's fine. It's fine, Dave. I give this one to you. <laughs> just give me the big M sign. Just when Mike's talking. Um, I, I, the, I think like just to basically what, what Dave is saying is that like I, I I think it's it's not it's about it because it's not about it. You know what I mean? Like I think it, where we've come to expect every movie has that in it. There's going to be some romance. I, mean, I was expecting for Pateau and her to at some point get together, or even awkwardly, or he was going to at least try. 
but the movie it's absent from the movie with a movie with and in a movie with so much nudity it's kind of curious that there is no kind of uh, romantic relationship I, again I think that's another comment about the fact that it's not it's exploring what is human it's exploring what is um what, what 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 makes us human exactly? Well, I, w- I was thinking a lot of the uh, movie that came out last year, uh, Ex Machina, um, mm. and the reason the reason I was thinking about that movie is because uh, is it Eva the character in that movie, the robot yeah, I think so, yeah. Eva? Yeah. Uh, she is very much cognizant of the fact that she is sexually appealing to him, and even though she is a freaking robot, like she is visually a robot, uh, much more so than. Um, uh, Kusanagi is like she the character in that movie has like ma- like parts that are totally robotic they just happen to be woman shaped but they are like oh that's clearly a robot and I think that it's very interesting in that movie that she's using sexuality to her own gain where that is doesn't happen in this film uh, which I think and I see is. I think that's a movie that does makes explore similar themes but does it so much more successfully because I feel like in that movie you're well, I guess it's the opposite in this movie you're you're kind of it's feeling much more simpler repulsed. Right, right, and I, th- I just think that movie you feel what the main character is feeling. This movie, I just never really got to that point where I was feeling anything really that strongly about any of the characters. Well, I yeah, and I think it's largely because the main character doesn't feel anything. Um, right, but what do you think that the thesis of Ghost in the Shell is? Like, what like I I could argue that Ex Machina is about. Well, I guess is it the same thesis? Like, what defines humanity, or what what, what would you say it is, Mike? Right, I think that's kind of the idea. Is you know how do, how do we define humanity? What do we define it as? And I I don't and I think that's the problem. Is I don't feel like this movie really kind of maybe it doesn't say it or it's just it's kind of just pontificating, but it doesn't really. It becomes less. I feel like by the end of it, it's less about it, the philosophy, the philosophy of it. It's more about like well, she just has the ability to become stronger and and so she does. So maybe she's not human. So maybe humanity is just having a body, and when you don't have a body anymore you become less and less attached to it and you become more of a robot. So are we just because we're embodied, that's what makes us human? Or is there something about the soul? You know, I, I, they don't really mention the word soul. It only happens once or twice. They keep referring to something called the ghost. Ghost. Which mm-hmm. I assume which is consciousness, is the same, I think. Same yeah, which concept. Is, right. yeah, it's kind of something Wait, like what that. is the ghost? It's your consciousness. Consciousness? Is yeah, it awareness? Essentially. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I also think of a movie like her more recently as well, and I think that's another one that kind of explores like uh, again another like Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Well, um, I think something that's interesting is that at the end of the movie, the puppet master character um, is literally kind of saying that um, one of the things that makes you uh, alive is the ability to reproduce, um, and that's what he's trying to do with Matoko. Um, at the end there. Yeah, right, and, so then is, is it, well, is he saying alive or human? I think or, I guess more sentient. alive and sentient, yeah. Right, right. Well, he wants to inhabit her body, right? No, he wants to combine with her and make right. a new entity. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I didn't quite pick up on that, but there yeah, we go. Yeah, I was a little confused, too. Yeah. Um, okay, so well, the, in the end of the movie... And she reappears as like a little girl, but it's the same like mind inside a little girl's body, right? It's a yeah. new entity. It's that's why they chose a little girl in the movie. It's a it's actually a male body in the book. Well, now um, it's reminding me of uh, being John Malkovich. Yeah, <laughs> where <laughs> yeah. they all yeah. end up in. You know, but I think she herself questions: Am I Matoko? Am I the puppet master? What am I? Because there was some merging that went on yes. there. Okay. Yeah. 
Right. Thing. I th- maybe it's trying to explore the idea of uh, reincarnation and like, you know, maybe if we're reincarnated, we're not yeah. just one person reincarnated. We're like many souls reincarnated. Well, I mean, it's one of those films well, I mean, where I think exploring, you exploring. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Even just exploring uh, reproduction, like, you know, humanity, children, we're, we're, you know, each of us were half of two people, or I guess we're, we're each two halves of, of two different people, but we are our own people, which is our own persons, um, which is kind of what happens here, but but not. It, it's, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> See, that's the thing uh, about this movie is it's interesting to talk about. The visuals are interesting to look at, but... It, I, I I would be hard pressed to believe that there's any emotional attachment to right. you know, yeah, watching nothing, this movie. Nothing makes me sit here and say like, "Wow, I feel like I really am looking at the things a little bit." Different. You know, it has a lot of what the Matrix is criticized for, which is that dorm room philosophy, which is like, you know, totally. token up at two a.m. with some pizza. We like, but what does it mean, man? Like, what if yeah. we're just a bunch of robots and like that's it doesn't I don't know. It never it definitely has that. But the Matrix yeah. also has a lot of good character beats and and uh, character moments that that uh, right. pull you through the story. You need to rewatch um, The Matrix. I, I feel like The Matrix has got a similarly cold vibe to it. It does, uh, yeah. No, they have that green, sickly vibe to them, yeah. Um, and I think that this idea of androgyny is really interesting when you look at just even the character design of Neo and Trinity, because in that movie they both look, they look the same. Like, like well, Neo, this movie yeah. reminded me more of the Matrix sequels, which which I felt very cold and detached uh, when I watched them, and, and you know the original Matrix. It pulled me in every time I watched it, uh, just, you know, even on an emotional level. So uh, this movie didn't do that, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I, I, lo- I loved looking at it and thinking about, like, wow, this is amazing looking, you know. And I can imagine watching this as a 15-year-old and thinking, like, wow, this is amazing. These concepts are amazing. I, I You know, I didn't, I've never thought about the world this way. I just think that, um, yeah, I I think I'm coming down more. I think Mike's more convincing me to his side, which I think is interesting. I think that the film exists as this fascinating cultural artifact. I think it's visually pretty amazing. I also think it's great uh, because animation is so often considered a children's medium. It's very rare, especially in 95, and maybe I'm just not privy to the world of animation, but there wasn't a lot of animation being made for adults. And this is clearly being made for adults, right? I mean, what else was being made for adults in 95, John? Um, Besides anime? Or was it only anime? It was was only anime. Um, Batman, the animated series. That's still Um, kind of for kids. um, There was a... In in the previous two years, in 1993, was Ninja Scroll. But when they brought that over, again, they were like marketing towards 15-year-olds. And there was also Macross Plus, which, interestingly enough, had Bryan Cranston in it. (laughs) Which... Hmm. Is interesting because now, like all we we are in this market now, where we we're only appealing to man babies. We're like that's all like movies are made for now. Is it, 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 <laughs> it is. It, it, it's yeah, all super. No, it's gotcha. all it's all these movies that are designed to appeal to thirty year olds that still have an attachment of being ten years old. Like that's like everything. Yeah. So. Um, I'm very, I'm very curious to see what happens when this remake comes out and how well it does and if it actually manages to get uh, some form of market share. Well, I, yeah. I refuse question. to reject any remakes or reboots now after Mad Max. So, Quick question for all of you. Um, do the characters, other than Motoko, do they look Asian to you? No. I was going to bring this up because, um, to me, no. I, the ones who looked Asian were the guys in the... The old um, guy does. Garbage truck. Yeah. yeah but- and, and I think, oh yeah, the old guy does too. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because but Batu doesn't or Bateau doesn't. No, yeah, and I just wonder if people in Hollywood are looking at this and going, "Well, they don't look Asian, so what does it matter?" 
Mm. Exactly. Um, that's what, I, that's something else I'm wondering. Because Pateau does not. Yeah. Pateau looks like a, an American boxer with a broken nose and everything. Yeah. Like he does not look Asian to me. I don't know if he's supposed to be or not. But even um, I think you know, they all are. Yeah. Kusanagi doesn't look doesn't look particularly Asian to me either. I, but I think that's the anime uh, style. I so I think it's the eyes. I mean, there's something. Uh, the, the eyes are a big thing with manga, you know. And I actually remember uh, looking this up because I was curious why 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 is there such a, an attachment to the eye as a as a symbol or like why are the eyes so big in anime in all so much anime that, that I remember as a kid and, and and this and I was reading that it's it's uh, animators started uh, using larger eyes so that you could animate more emotion in the eyes sure uh, which I found interesting you know if not you know I thought that was an interesting thing to, to learn about yeah so a lot of characters have big eyes and like blonde hair mm-hmm. and that why? certainly doesn't <laughs> look Asian to me um, right. Sorry, I just went down a rabbit hole on the internet. I typed uh, Kusanagi cosplay into Google, Uh-oh. and now I've got to clear my Google history. So yeah, um, you're gonna you're gonna have to burn that computer. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but yeah, I think this was a pretty interesting discussion about this movie. I think in terms of viewing it in a modern context, which is what we're trying to do on this podcast, I think. I think it's interesting to watch, and I agree with you guys that there was something that left me a bit cold, which um, is fitting because it's about cyborgs or it's about robotic things um and i also think that as you guys said some of that dialogue is a bit hard to just stomach (laughs) but in general i think this is a a worthy movie and if you're like talking about pantheon of important films you got to put this on there just because of everything that gets comes after it basically yeah i agree I'm curious, um, John. Um, I feel like we're kind of winding down, so maybe there's a good time to pose this question. But, John, what is your favorite anime of all time? I or, personally, or, you know, I, well, I like Outlaw Star. I, I think Outlaw Star is my favorite. Why don't you just ask him to pick time. his favorite child? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what is? Uh, it's uh, something called Outlaw Star. Okay. okay it was cool. on Toonami and Adult Swim. Is that a t- uh, series? Yes, the series. Okay. Um, yeah, followed closely out. by Cowboy Bebop. I, yeah, that's the one I always hear about. I've I've seen a couple episodes here and there, and it seemed pretty pretty decent. Well, um, just you know, it's some history before. Like generally, people used to say, you know, if they were trying to get an anime, they were like, "Oh, watch Akira." And then when this movie came out, people generally said, "Oh, watch Ghost in the Shell." And then when Cowboy Bebop came out, people started saying, "Oh, if you wanted to watch anime, watch Cowboy Bebop." I do agree there is an accessibility with Ghost in the Shell, which isn't there with a lot of other anime movies. Like, John has exposed me to a few different anime films. <laughs> exposed me, it sounds like he's, yep. he, he touched, yep. he touched me in weird ways. No, but he, uh, like, he's shown me, uh, we watched Summer Wars, right? Mm-hmm. And um, what's another, did we watch another one? Uh, the Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Oh, uh, The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, which actually, actually, that one's pretty accessible, too. Yeah. Uh, but, like, Summer Wars is pretty weird. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's I enjoy very it, anime. but it's very anime, yeah. and I, I wouldn't quite say that about Ghost in the Shell. So I think that there is uh, something about this movie that makes it accessible, and it's not just the nudity. So, um, yeah, so there you go. <laughs> so closing out this episode, any final thoughts, you guys? Anything you want to say, Dave? No. Oh, you just heard yourself in your headphones. Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> I could do this all day. Uh I just am in love with the sound of my own voice. It doesn't bother me. This is how I always hear myself when I talk. So. This is how you always hear the podcast? Uh, no, I just, um, in my day-to-day life, I'm so oh. in love with myself okay. that I just always hear myself okay. because it's amazing. Um, Mike, anything you want to say? No, I, I think it's good. I, I, yeah, I actually would like to do a couple more anime films because I feel like there's, we haven't touched any of them, and I'd love to get in some uh, Miyazaki films. I, I yeah. think I spirited away a while ago. 
Yeah, uh, I, like we should probably definitely we should definitely do a Miyazaki film. And I think that if you're out there listening and want us to do more anime films, please write in and let us know which ones you would uh, like us to do, uh, so we can do them. Um, closing out this episode, Mike, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at my website at mikemirandi.com or on Twitter at Mike Mirandi. David, where can people find you? Uh, Dave Glanz on Twitter, G-L-A-N-Z, and DaveGlanzProductions.com. And uh, John, do you have anything you want to pimp or pump on this episode? Uh, no, you can't find pump. me on the internet, but you can find me in London on uh, September 7th giving a talk on command and control. Oh, that sounds really What's boring. What's command and control? Uh, it's systems engineering. Okay. Sounds really boring. <laughs> All right. And uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Ivan Kander. That's K-A-N-D-E-R. And you can find uh, me on the web at Lucky9Studios.com and shortoftheweek.com. Uh, for this podcast, uh, if you want to subscribe, that would be fantastic. You can do so via iTunes. You can find those links on our website at luck, and sorry, at reviewedpodcast.com. And be sure to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. Um, Dave, are you choosing the next episode? Mike, who's choosing the next episode? Mike, is that you? Uh, Dave. Dave is. I guess it's me. Uh, so I get to choose. It's me. Oh, boy. Uh, I was going to go with Aliens. unprepared. 30th anniversary. Is it the 30th anniversary this year? Yeah. Game the over, summer. man. We, a- alien or aliens? We were going to do an alien versus aliens, but we I think that, that moment has passed. So uh, it's the 30th anniversary of aliens this summer. Let's, we just missed it a couple weeks ago. Here, so I feel like it's, it's time. Let's talk about the James time. Just let's to clarify, we're doing the James Cameron The alien. James Cam- 1986. That would be 30 years ago. Okay, shut up, Dave. <laughs> All right, I don't need yeah, to no, I, I, I think, Dave, I'm pretty sure you misspoke. I think you said alien. Uh, the Ridley boy. Scott, because I think that's the far superior. Why, one. Okay, one, great. why alien, does one have to be better is. than the other? Why can't they both be great? Because the other one's just it's just not. It's it's fine. Okay, let's just but spoil the whole episode. All right, <laughs> um, that's great. Um, so yeah, we're gonna be watching Aliens apparently. Um, oh, on, oh god. <laughs> on uh, next episode. Um, so yeah, uh, um, I don't know what else to say. I don't know why I'm still talking. So bye guys. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>